Welcome to the Beyond Europe podcast, where we take a look into cross-cultural encounters between Europe and far-off lands. The Baroque era of music is one of the richest histories to study in the entire realm of music history. Nothing quite compares to the extravagant nature of Baroque-era artwork and, in turn, the musical expressivity and growing virtuosity that would come about. The Baroque period marked the beginning of the modern era, roughly the 18th century, where we see the rise of capitalism. If we break the Baroque period up into different sections, we can study four major categories. The first being 1580 to about 1640, which represents the early period of the Baroque time, where people began asking what would happen if people sang a play. And we have the beginnings of opera. 1640 to 1680, we see the middle period of the Baroque where composers are trending more towards tonality rather than strange and almost weird modal transitional things. 1685 to 1750 represents the high or late Baroque period where we see the most famous Baroque composers emerge like Handel, Bach, and Scarlatti. 1730 to 1760 represents the Galant or pre-classical period. And here we have really a conflict of genres where the old composers are sticking to their old ways and the newer, younger generation are making headways in the world of what we would now consider to be the classical period of music. Now, it's important to note that Different things are happening at different times depending on what country you are in. And it's actually very difficult to generalize Baroque music because Italy, for example, could be doing something completely different compared to a country like England during the same time period. France, for example, saw composers like Couperin composing keyboard suites. Germany at the end of the Baroque period, we see the birth of composers like Bach and Handel who would produce some of the most infamous masterworks, such as Bach's Brandenburg Concerto and one of my personal favorites, Handel's music for the Royal Fireworks. making music from the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th centuries. 
If we step away from the tropes of European Baroque music and set our sights even further east, we can see that there are indigenous countries in far-off lands that have their own utterly fascinating musical languages with their own unique colors, customs, and timbres. One Asian country in particular is recorded to have two very distinct cross-cultural encounters during the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries from European nations. This country in question is Indonesia. But before we take the trip all the way over to the East Indies, we have one more place to visit in Europe— While places like France, England, Germany, and Italy were constantly on the forefront of music and opera production, and all the while evolving styles as the centuries passed, countries like Portugal would experience a certain bond to the period predating the Baroque, the Renaissance. Portuguese composers were not so quick to move away from the old times, and rather than adopting the new Baroque styles of compositional writing, they simply kept developing the Renaissance style while including a sparse and very limited amount of Baroque influences. This resulted in some of the most exotic-sounding motets and organ music from its time period, Take a listen to this excerpt from Joao Estevez Magnificat. Rather, the small stringed instrument kronkong would introduce a new genre of music in the 16th century. Sailors from the Portuguese Empire would bring these Portuguese instruments and music along their trade routes and to locations like Indonesia. The crewmen were for the most part not themselves Europeans or what we would consider today to be white Portuguese, but rather They were freemen and slaves from various outposts of the Portuguese empire like India and Africa and even the Malay Peninsula. And their music may have been born from influences of those places as well as from Portugal. Some of these Portuguese settled in the islands of Indonesia and Southeast Asia and over time assimilated into the native population, losing a lot of their Portuguese culture as the Dutch colonial control expanded and deepened into the East Indies. The musical contributions of the ship's crews seem to have been the small plucked lute, as I mentioned the kronkong, a handful of melodies, and the rudiments of chordal harmony. European influence from this time can also be heard in the music of the Batak people of North Sumatra in Indonesia. Krongkong is now considered to be 
old-fashioned folk music by most of the Indonesian youth, although efforts have been made since the 1960s to modernize the genre by adding electric guitars, amplifiers, keyboards, and drums. The genre is also being evolved in new directions by Indonesian artists in the Netherlands, We can read from Julia Bao's book, Antiphonal Histories, Resident Pasts in the Toba Batak Musical Present, just how popular Indonesian music nowadays references opera Batak, the Toba theater tradition that joined traditional and modernizing musical worlds during the high colonial period of the Netherlands' East Indies territories. Theater composers tied popular songs to the melodic contours of ritual music, then, using skills taught at Protestant mission schools, sketched in a line a third above. It's obvious that the Portuguese and also the Netherlands were key puzzle pieces into the development of Indonesian popular music. Opera Batak and Krongkong music were deeply influenced by the instrumental evolution that came about from the cross-cultural trade routes and shipping routes during the 17th century. The Middle East is also another location with evidence of cross-cultural instrumentation influence as we can see the Indonesian gambus, or a type of lute, which had a 12-string pear-shaped guitar-like appearance. This instrument, came as a result of Middle Eastern-derived Islamic vocal and instrumental music. These traditions began to be incorporated throughout many areas of Indonesia by the 16th century, but for today, our episode is solely focused on Europe's branches into Southeast Asian musical history. Perhaps the best example of an authentic Krongkong folk music song would be Bengawan Solo, which is directly translated to Solo River. It's an Indonesian folk song written by Gizang Martohartono in 1940. It was composed in the local Krongkong style, a popular folk style with those Portuguese influences, and that brings today's episode to a close. And with that, I am going to let Mr. Martohartono Yeah.